Welcome to the Ocean Cruises podcast hosted by Andy H. This week we are speaking to Ali and Ben from the YouTube channel Breaking Wave Sailing. Ali and Ben are based in British Columbia, Canada and their cruising grounds are the Pacific Northwest. They live aboard Kiana, which is a 1989 Sector 41, a pilot house cruiser and very popular for Canadian waters. Ben is a renewable energy engineer and Ali is working in aviation and tourism. They are in the process of refitting their blue water cruiser to be ready for sailing down the west coast of North America to the Sea of Cortez in the near future. You can learn about Ali and Ben on their YouTube channel Breaking Waves Sailing. Follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and download the audio on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, he, he is that. He's, he's good at cracking jokes. So you're caffeinated. Yeah, yeah. we uh, seven thirty a.m. for us. So yeah, naturally, we we would not be able to function right now. If we didn't have this coffee, Ali I would not speak. The last time I actually woke up intentionally that early. Um, yeah, like the only time I get up at 7.30 is if there's a huge problem. <laughs> <laughs> normally getting home at 7.30. Yeah, I mean, this yeah, is a yeah. pretty normal wake-up time for us. We just don't normally have to talk to anybody for about another hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so you you guys are... Where, like, whereabouts are you up in, up in your journey of actually getting on the water and... and taking off uh we, i think we're counting down we're we're updating the boat and uh hopefully well it's like one year until we would like to head to mexico yeah and we've been we bought the boat in 2019 summer 2019 mm. so we're i guess this feels like is this our third summer i guess technically technically the first summer was late really summer that we bought yeah. the boat yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really count as Yeah, a the first summer we only did like a one week cruise to bring the boat home and then lived on it for the winter. And we didn't know how to really I didn't know how to sail. <laughs> so and then last summer we did a bunch of cruising during like COVID. We had a lot of time and flexibility to go cruise around and on the east yeah. coast of Vancouver Island and Desolation Sound in that area. And now we're out here on the west coast and the plan is to be here for about another year at, mainly because of hurricane season and like when is the appropriate time to sail to Mexico. We either have to leave like in the next month or two or do it next year and we've just between boat projects we want to do and working stuff and all that this year's just not in the cards so it'll be this time next year we had that, i suppose you've got quite a small window for actually going down there and then doing cruising whilst you're there because the decent weather up north or the good seas up north would be the opposite time of the year to what you would get when you head down south yeah right? so the the like the wisdom, I mean, you could go really anytime if you're willing to sail in winter North Pacific, like Pacific Northwest winter time conditions, which can get pretty gnarly. Yeah. Well, and then once, you know, you can also be in Mexico anytime if you're willing to handle the hurricanes. <laughs> um, but the, the wisdom, yeah, die, exactly. So. I mean, lots of people are, are there cruising around right now. Um, and there is like hurricane holes and all that you can go to, but on the Pacific side. But I mean, the tradition, like what most people do is they leave around August from like Seattle, Vancouver, that area. They head down to California. Um, they usually enter into Northern Baja, Mexico around October is about the earliest. And then by November, even October, you're kind of free and clear like mid-October from hurricane season and you can shoot down to shoot down to Cabo. And then from there, people either head up to the Sea of Cortez or they go to the 
the um, Pacific South side of Mexico. Nice. Yeah. It just looks so beautiful down there. Like the color yeah. of the water and the beach. And it's and it's pretty yeah. um it's not that busy neither. Like you can you can pull up your boat in some beautiful places and you're not surrounded by like charters or tons of motorboats who don't know what they don't know what they're doing. It just looks gorgeous. Yeah, it doesn't look like the the Caribbean, that's for sure. Or yeah. the Med. Um and I think the Sea of Cortez is definitely like it's like I'm, that's the Baja Peninsula of Mexico. And mm. I've done that by vehicle on a surf trip. And it's like it's just a giant empty desert. You know, like there's even on land. This is it right here. <laughs> yeah, that's actually yeah, a good yeah, image of what it looks like, right? And um, yeah, I mean, the, the land, like there's not a lot of big cities nearby and the cruising, the anchors look like they can be pretty, pretty empty for sure. Yeah. Which would be nice. But nice. also, you know, we like people too, so sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes. You, you got your, so you got your boat at the same time as I got my current boat. And um, right. yeah, it's like technically three years, but really this is like, kind of the first year yeah. you know, and you needed to do some work on it as you did yeah. um because uh, yeah it's like you need a year to figure out what you want to do and do you need new sails and what do you want to do to the engine and all that type and to of stuff. learn about the boat and yeah. see what's what you didn't yeah. know was broken and what you did so, know was broken and in canada it's like it's so hard in the winter to even be bothered <laughs> well you can't do work outside your boat we had like a foot of snow on our boat the first yeah. year we got it so there's no way we were gonna go like rebed the hatches i mean if you're ambitious there's lots of <laughs> there's lots of like chan- like cruising maya is another channel from up here and they're way more like on it than we are and they got a bunch of projects done over the winter but we pretty much just hibernate and like <laughs> we just did our best to get through without killing each other <laughs> yeah focus on staying dry and that's about it but <laughs> did you stay on the boat during winter when you first got it yeah yeah, we, we actually, we'd only been dating for that time. We're together for, I think, about like a year six, and a half. In August, the first August? Yeah. Six no, months. not a charter, but when we bought the boat. Moved oh, on. yeah, like a year and a half. So we, like, we've been living in different cities, and <laughs> that was our, like, like, yeah. 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 But yeah, our experience, our first experience living together was on the boat in the winter. Basically. We moved in together <laughs> onto a boat in the winter. In a city that neither of us were both huge on. Yeah, Yeah, because it just gets so freezing cold there in the winter. Like, a different type of freezing cold than you get pretty much anywhere else in the Western world, really. Yeah. I mean, in BC, it's not so bad. It'd be similar to, like, winter in Scotland or Ireland or something like that, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, But it's still, you know, dark, cold, gloomy. Sometimes it snows. Um, But yeah, so it's interesting. You said you're in southern Spain right now. Yes, yeah. You didn't start there though, right? No, no. I started in a place called Wigan, which is, um, uh, it's like 30 minutes away from Manchester in the, in the north of England. Um, okay. But yeah, like the, the place where you'd keep the boat there is in, uh, you, you just take a short trip in the car over to Wales. Um, north Wales is like a place called Conway, which is where loads of people keep the boats. Um, so yeah, we used to, um, we used to go there when I was a kid. Then when I was younger, that's that's where we used to do our uh, where we used to do our boating, and um, it's when when you mentioned on email uh, and we, we I, I think I mentioned it briefly. I was like Vancouver is like one of my the, my favorite places. It's probably the most beautiful place I've ever been because it reminds me of my favorite place in the UK, uh, which mm-hmm. is a place called the Lake District. And um, yeah, the lakes around there and the waters, it's pretty much exactly the same. I think I think it's more or less a similar. I don't know. It's probably a bit higher up north, but it looks exactly the same. Like same trees, same type of rocks, water, that yeah, type cool. of thing. Um, nice. But yeah, it's, it's just so beautiful. It's so nice. But yeah, so yeah, you mentioned that. Winter. 
Yeah. 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 Forget the winter. Yeah. Skip winter. Yeah. What What do you actually do to keep the boat warm when it's so cold outside? Do you, do you have like electric heaters running or do you just use a little stove? Uh, I think it depends if we're at the dock or not. If we're at the dock, then we ha- we do have electric heaters and we have a dehumidifier and that works really well. But when we're off the dock, we do have a propane fireplace. Um, our boat does have a diesel S bar, but it was disconnected when we bought it. Uh, and we don't really know how to put them back together. We also haven't endeavored down that road to figure it out, but, um, yeah, the mindset's been kind of like we're heading south. So let's focus on the things that we need down south. Yeah, uh, looking back, we should probably just get the, yeah. the S bar going. We it's- recently discovered about our boat, which is hilarious. We're still finding out things about our boat all the time, but, um, that there's this like transfer of heat from the engine that will, the boat oh, yeah. will, if you hit a switch, it will like just. Dis- first the heat from the engine around the boat and one of them is like there's like a little heater in the bathroom and it's right beside the toilet yeah <laughs> yeah the best discovery it took us it, will like it took us two and a half years seat. two years to discover that we can heat up the toilet while underway it was yeah, a huge really moment cool. for me yeah, yeah. yeah it's been a game changer uh, exhaust fumes coming through there <laughs> yeah exactly on the toilet and just pass yeah that'd be a little weird uh, fall asleep tough way to go <laughs> yeah well that'd be really nice yeah. So yeah, if you it get freezing cold in the winter and the heater doesn't work, you just go and cuddle in the toilet. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. We just huddle well. up on the toilet. Yeah. yeah. What's it like on in the Sea of Cortez like during the summer? Because like the Caribbean is insanely hot and humid and you need, I think you need an air conditioner really, or at least in the bedroom because um, you're doing the Mediterranean. Uh, yeah. What's it like on the other side? Well, I think we're, we, I would base this off of another YouTube channel we watch called Sailing Bohemia. Oh, yeah, those guys, yeah. Um, you heard of those guys? Yeah, so we watched them all over the winter while we were kind of getting excited about heading <laughs> to Mexico. And yeah. I think I got the sense, because they were in the Sea of Cortez still as summer was approaching, and I think it gets pretty hot, but it also gets really cold at night because it's like desert time, or it's a desert there. Oh, I don't really know, to be honest, but I don't think it gets as humid as it does in other places. It's still more of a dry heat. Yeah, well, it's more like a desert type of environment, really, isn't it? So I don't suppose you'd get that massive. Mind you, I lived in Dubai for like 10 years and uh, it gets to like 50 degrees and 100% humidity. So, yeah, oh, the calculation sounds awful. Oh, it yeah. is. It's terrible. Like, oh, we, haven't actually, we haven't actually researched Sea of Cortez a ton because I think like our, our plan, sort of the vision for the boat and the adventure and all that is to be trying to surf off of the boat. And Sea of Cortez, they're basically, unless it's windswell, there's not really any surf. So as beautiful as it looks and amazing as of a cruising ground as it probably would be, it's sort of, we're probably going to skip it. And like, I mean, most people would say we're crazy or a lot of cruisers would say like, you have to do the Sea of Cortez, but I think we're probably going to go straight to the mainland Mexico and focus our time along um, like Puerto Vallarta down south. And I said it right. (laughs) (laughs) You said it right. Don't always say it right. And uh, yeah, and focus on being in anchorages where we can catch catch some waves. So, Sea yeah, Cortez really looks cool. nice, but it's not really on our on our agenda. Do both of you surf? Yeah, yeah. Neither of us surf very well. Some but, of us uh, better than others, but <laughs> neither, no, neither one of us. Both will of be you dis- surf better than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a hard thing to do for sure. We'll we'll yeah. disappoint our viewership <laughs> once we finally get some surfing on the on the channel. It looks, <laughs> uh, it looks, it, you know, it looks like the type of sport that if I could do it, I would. I would do it constantly and I'd love it so much. It's just like it's a weirdly way. addictive. Yeah. 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 That's why we live where we do now. We live on in Tofino, which is a little little surf town. It's like called Surf City, Canada, on the west yeah. coast of Vancouver Island. And it's like really one of the only places that you can live and work and surf anywhere else. I mean, there's Halifax area you can 
also run out in about an hour and get waves but there's very few places that you can like live somewhere have a job and surf within 20 minutes drive or less okay. i think this is probably the only place at least consistently you yeah. know like every day if you want to what type so, of yeah. suit do you need if you're surfing in the canadian waters a five four yeah in the winter yeah. millimeters in the winter millimeters. you need a five 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 millimeter chest, four millimeter legs and arms right. and a hood. And, and then I do seven millimeters on my hands. <laughs> yeah. Seven so on hands. That's in the winter though. <laughs> and the right now, Don't it's super it. nice. It's like we wear four, three wetsuits, four, four millimeters on the chest, three on the extremities, no hood, no gloves, no boots. And yeah. the water is like the other day, we had a heat wave not that long ago. And we weren't in town actually, but a bunch of our friends were out surfing with no wetsuits at all, just because it was, it was actually warm enough to just wear board shorts and bikinis. So that doesn't happen very often, but yeah, in the summer, it's, it's fairly pleasant, I would say, in the summer. Mm. For Canadians, maybe other people. Yeah. <laughs> Our idea of a heat wave is like yeah. other no, people's. It was, out here. it was like 36, 38 degrees yeah, in the interior. Yeah, it was like 45. Crazy weather. Yeah, yeah, I yeah I the whole province is on fire. There's some strange um, weather systems like going across the UK. I think it was, um, it was probably about three or four weeks ago, something like that, but it was all being triggered from the. Um, uh, all the way up north and uh, yeah on the other side as well they were saying like vancouver was getting like 36 or 38 something like that yeah, yeah. which is um that's insanely that's hot, hot for here yeah it's really here. we're also not prepared for us we don't have yeah of course air conditionings here so yeah. we like we're not used to it so we're not prepared for it and everybody was just yeah suffering or in the water <laughs> so i feel like i listened to a few of your podcasts and listened to holly blue which is the first one that got me on you guys Oh yeah, and then cool. uh, I also listened to the Blue and Brady one, of course, yeah. recently. And um, I can't remember what you said. I think Holly Blue asked you what your cruising plans were, and oh, I don't remember. Ah, uh, well, they changed over the course of the year. It was meant to be much more extensive. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, basically, we had, we had a storm. I think it was November. It actually, it might have been October last year. No, it was November last year because I, I sailed to the Canaries and then the storm was back in the mainland when I was, was in the Canaries. And um, my ground line um, snapped, more or less. So my boat oh, was just like banging against the key wall for no, weeks. I... <laughs> and I didn't oh, know. No. And uh, to be honest, even if, even if I was in Spain, I couldn't have gone there because of the local lockdowns. We weren't allowed to leave our town for like two and a half months, something like that. Oh, man. I did. Um, we, like, we, we weren't meant to. Um, so, uh, yeah, I had, to, I, I had to get the boat out of the water. I think I was planning to do it in March because you, you can do decent sailing like end of April, starting going into May. Like you, you can basically sail north and get to the Balearics. You can go over to Africa and, you, you know, you're going to like have decent winds and some, you know, good quality seas. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just ended up arguing with the insurance company for like a month and then when I finished arguing with them and they finally, um, well, basically I finally gave up because I lost the argument. Um, I think oh, I got no. like an extra $80 out of them or something. I oh, no. Yeah, I went in for like 500 and I got an extra 80 So felt deflated, but I was like, well, that's better in my pocket. So that's okay. Um, yeah, it sounds like you so, did okay. Yeah, I got $80 out of it. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, but anyway, by that point, because so many boats haven't been taken out of the water last year and they've just been in like a pretty horrible stagnant marina for probably about nine months and not moved. Everybody needed hauling out and having their anti-fold oh, yeah. on. Um, oh. Whereas a lot of cruising boats, you can probably go for like two or three years and not yeah. need to take it out and do anti-fold if you get a decent quality anti-fold. Everybody needed pulling out. Um, mm. So yeah, I think I inquired like the start of April and the soonest I could get it taken out was the start of June. 
So yeah, there was like a month and a half of wait. Um, But yeah, we're heading off in, well, we're heading off this weekend. We're just going to do probably a little five day trip to a place called Cabo de Gata, which is like a, um, it's like a nature reserve. And there's a lot of snorkeling there. There's a lot of diving, um, crystal clear water. It's really beautiful, white sand. And then start of August, I'm heading over to Ibiza. Um, which is it's oh like a 12, 12 hour sail just off mainland. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I've got about four days. I've got three day sails to get to the place where you then cross over to go to Ibiza. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there's, I think there's a few of us going down. We're just solo sailing it. It's just day sails. I don't have a radar or an AIS. Um, but actually, to be honest, even if I did, I still wouldn't sail around here at night uh, because there's lobster pots everywhere. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you're doing any type of coastal sailing around here, you've just got to be you've got to, got to be on the lookout constantly. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't unless I was like way way off, but you don't need to be because you follow the coast all the way to the Balearics. Um, I don't think I'd be comfortable doing day sailing even if I had like the radar. Do you, do you have one of those one of those things on your prop that can like cut if you get fouled by a trap or something? No, neither no. do we. But it you can know, be pretty. It, 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 I don't think one would actually fit on my boat because um, oh, no. I, I, I pulled the prop when I um, when I was uh, servicing my engine. What, what did I need? Oh, I changed the cutlass bearing and I changed the engine mounts. Um, so I, there's no space there. I couldn't get one on anyway. I'd have to get a new right. prop. <clears throat> right. Um, That's probably not worth it. <laughs> no, it's not worth it. I mean, you just jump in the water, you know. Yeah, yeah. we've done it before. <laughs> yeah, cut the thing off. It saves like $800 or however much. They are expensive, those things. I, I do think yeah. about that price. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember looking at one that spins and that was like 600 euros or something like that. Um, so, uh, yeah. So heading off doing that on the 1st of August. And I think I'll probably stay there for about a month. Um, but yeah, the intention was uh, this year to go head over there in May, head over there in June and uh, no, sorry, July. And then also in September and just do the different islands. Cause you've got like uh, four stunning islands. You've got Formentera, which is like a, just a huge patch of white sand um, and you can just anchor all the way around it in different little bays. Yeah. And then you've got Ibiza, Mallorca and Menorca. And then from there, you've got like a two day sail over to uh, Sicily. I feel like is... those places are going to be crazy right now. Like, like wildly fun. Like if, if oh, Europe's anything strange. like it is here right now, it's like everybody's having the time of their lives. I feel like just people are reveling in the newfound freedoms. Of, I don't know what the COVID situation yeah. is there, but here it's pretty, it's pretty opened up. So people yeah, are just it's... really having a good time. I think it depends on the nationality. Like Spain yeah. opened up, but they only opened up to British people like last week, yeah. um, which is actually really bad for Spain because the vast majority of tourists come from the UK. Yeah. So uh, I think it was politics. I don't think it was actually anything about COVID. I think they were just making excuses to keep like British people in the UK so they could spend the money there. Um, but yeah, they opened up about a week ago. So there's been a bit of an influx. But then two days ago, they said, okay, Spain is now opened up, but the Balearics, the Balearics aren't. So um, apart from like the south of Spain and like the Costa, what is it, Costa Blanca, the, the main locations are like um, Ibiza and Mallorca. So they put those on the amber list, which means that if you go there on holiday, which you can, if you're vaccinated or you've got the PCR test, when you go back, you need to spend two weeks at home. And nobody mm. can do that. Yeah. Um, like you can't afford to take a two week holiday and then like pay yeah. all the thousands that you have to pay to get COVID tests and then take two weeks off work. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, they, it's it's allowed, but they've made it difficult. So uh, yeah, it's actually kind of nice because like the worst type of tourists in the south of Spain are British tourists. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the fact that there's none here is actually pretty pleasant. It's like we, we were walking around. To, I, I just moved my boat to a different marina, um, but yeah, we were walking around the old marina, which is just uh, it's just like cheap nineteen seventies England, but in Spain. And right. um, we were like, oh, there's so few British people. And we were like, yeah, there's so like less fighting. There's so less like <laughs> drunken and horrendous people around. It's actually better. <laughs> it's, it's understandable why they don't like British people that much. If you, if you judge by the quality of British post people, <laughs> it's pretty straightforward. I don't know. We were hanging out with some Brits the other day. They're usually pretty good fun. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're good fun. It, they're just not, I don't suppose they're a great example if you... <laughs> After a football game, they tend to get pretty yeah. riled up. Yes, yeah. my apologies for the most recent uh, game there. Oh, that <laughs> if, was, if you're um, an England fan, anyway. Yeah, I'm an England fan. Um, yeah. That was pretty disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> that was very. We didn't even actually. honestly. We didn't. We were out sailing. We didn't even know what was happening. We're not football fans, but uh, yeah, I saw the news after and how upset some people were <laughs> yeah crazy, but well some people were so upset they just started like trashing the cities and like yeah you know uh, beating up italians and stuff like yeah that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy but it's they, they behave that way everywhere but it's going to be it's going to be um i was going to say interesting but it's just I, I should probably just say absolutely lethal so the world cup is in uh, qatar in 2022 mm-hmm. and um like, i've been to qatar a number of times i used to go there for business a lot and um, it's just, it, it's not a strict Muslim state, but it is Muslim. So you cannot be drunk on the streets. Yeah. Um, if you swear at a police officer, you get thrown in prison. Um, it's strict. And I, I don't know what part of that country thought that we can handle like <laughs> 60,000 drunk British people. Oh, we need to build hotels. We need to, we need to build bus state. I was like, you need to build prisons, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Uh, the British are pretty leery. I think Russian football fans can be quite leery as well. Um, yeah, it's going so to be a bit much. Yeah, it's going to be a will bit Will they much. be able to, will they be able to buy alcohol in Qatar? Yeah, you can get it in the hotels. I, I think okay. I, I think they're probably going to open things up a little bit. Um, yeah. It's it's gradually becoming more liberal. Like Saudi Arabia allowed women to start driving, I think, like three or four years ago. Yeah, which sounds pretty basic, but it's actually yeah. not. If you take into account yeah. the history of the country, it's it's quite progressive of them. Um, and uh, yeah, the UAE, which is where like Dubai and Abu Dhabi is, they have they've just set up a new court system for people who are Muslim. So if you're, if you're not Muslim, you now do not have to go to a Sharia court and be judged according to. Oh, that's the, awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's actually really, really good. Um, yeah. I think that was about a year ago when they did that. And uh, yeah, I was talking to my wife cause my, um, my wife is Muslim. Um, and uh, she was, uh, we, yeah, we were just discussing it. We were just like, that's actually really good. It's great for the mm-hmm. people who live there and stuff. So yeah, it's nice. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the plans for this year. And then in September, we're going back to the Canaries for a week. And then in October, we've got like a really big, cool charter for a week in, um, uh, well, it's just outside of Athens. It's basically chartering around the Greek islands. Uh, so we're doing that start of October. And there is, uh, I think there's about four or five YouTube channels um, doing it. So yeah, we've got like a 60 foot cool. yacht and there's quite a few of us going over there. Are you allowed so, to share uh, which which the channels are? Or is that yeah, yeah. So, um, well, yeah. I'll send it. I'll send it. I'll tell you. I'll say. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if they've announced it or, or said anything yet. So yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah, like, that's ruin, a good idea. Ruin that's that surprise. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. It's a bunch of people who've they they're mostly from the states and um, 
yeah, the the idea of cruising around Greece is something they've always wanted to do, but to do it, you'd have to like cross the Atlantic, you'd have to yeah, cross yeah. the Mediterranean. So it's going to take like, to a, yeah, yeah, it's massive. And then yeah. getting back as well, you know, you have to take like two years out of your life really if you want to do it. So um, yeah, we just just had conversations with a bunch of them, and we're like, well, if if you all want to do it, let's let's just get a massive boat. And, well, um, that's and get it and, yeah and get it done so yeah, let us know like, if a spot opens up yeah <laughs> <laughs> somebody cancels yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds fun yeah i think we'll, we'll probably do a few more of them because um the, the people who are involved they're like loving the idea of it because it's just it's a they're able to like produce some content that they'd never ever be able to do totally. um, yeah. in the locations where they keep the boats so um yeah it should be should be really cool and it's a huge from a like a youtube channel perspective it's a huge crossover opportunity for them exactly. to share viewers and, and you know grow all other channels together so that's yeah be really cool and the that's podcast too yeah. yeah 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 so it'd be really good for them so yeah like if everyone's got like fifty thousand, you know clickers viewers subscribers yeah. whatever yeah then you know like they could end up doubling it or whatever i don't yeah. know how it works so much yeah <laughs> um, yeah but yeah it'd be, be interesting, interesting to see how that works yeah it'd be really good for them and a lot of fun as well so yeah yeah Cool. looking forward to that but what, what are your guys plans then are you so i take you're going to stick around where you are now until next year and you're probably going to do some extra boat work and stuff yeah yeah i think so we're going to enjoy the summer this is cruising season now right so we're we're in our house right now but our boat is like 100 meters away it's, it's docked oh, wow. fairly close to where we live and um we're both working but we have weekends and then vacation so we're we actually have friends arriving today they've been in in a couple episodes on our channel Greg and Emma. yeah every summer we we go we go partying with these two they're good friends of ours so they're arriving today we're going to go off for like a four night or three night cruise and maybe head up the hot springs there's lots of really cool local stuff to do around oh, yeah. here yeah click that sound is really cool for cruising yeah like we've got we could spend a couple seasons easily at least one full season if we weren't working cruising on the west coast of Vancouver Island where we are now yeah yeah because we're working we're we're doing it when we've got time off and we're doing both projects. Um, we're trying to knock off the stuff that you can't do in the winter, like rebounding the hatches and new grip paint for the deck. Um, I know you're thinking about doing a stack pack. Mm -hmm. We did all new running. Again. Yeah. I mean, the list, you oh, know, nice. the list is massive, but we're doing just little projects right now so that, yeah. you know, we can keep the boat usable for the summer. Yeah. Oh, we then, got a new toilet. Yeah, we got a new toilet, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a warm time. Is it electric too, or is it the uh, it's electric. It is electric. Yeah, it's electric. Oh, they're yeah. posh, they're posh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, did, we did the so battery fancy. upgrade um, this spring. So now we can start getting fancy. We got the lithium lithium pack in there now. But, oh, yeah, I watched that video. Yeah, that looks, yeah. Uh, that looks really good. Yeah, we got a couple more batteries coming yet. We, we only ended up with a 300 amp hour bank hmm. with a 100 amp hour starting battery. And um, it's just not we didn't really know exactly how much we were going to need and we weren't going to do the math, even though I'm an engineer, I was too lazy to do that kind of math. So <laughs> we just went with 300 amp hours to start and we're going to add, I think two more. So we'll have a 500 amp hour house bank, which should be plenty, but solar, that's a project. Be hell of a yeah. So I guess to your question, like what's the plan? So summer cruising, minimal projects, mostly just fun, mm, get a lot enjoy. of footage. And yeah. then over the fall and the winter, we'll still be out here. Um, there's not a lot like there's no boatyards or there's no like yacht services or anything like that out here it's you all can't haul out. there's fishing boats so i mean there's there's like tidal grids and stuff like that that you can make use of and there is some support from mechanics and stuff like that but they're really mostly focused on you know sporties outboards and stuff like that it's not a yachty place at all um 
but that's okay. I mean, most of the project, we were just on the hard. So most of the projects we want to do, we don't really need to be hauled out anyway. And um, yeah, this, this winter, we'll try to knock off a whole bunch more projects. So we got a bunch of electronics on order that we want to get installed. Nice. Um, and we've got the big running or the big standing rigging job. That's next spring. Um, we're going to head down. One. Yeah, we're going to head down south to a proper boatyard for that next spring. You're going to do it and, yourself? Uh, no, we're going to do it with Blackline Marine, which is okay. one of the... On Vancouver Island, they're definitely known to be the best. In the Pacific Northwest, they're one of the most reputable rig shops. And we went, I did a course with them like two years ago. And we were just super impressed with their facilities. And um, the what they allow you to do is that you do it under their direction. So, oh, wow. You, you still, yeah, you so it's still like pay. a half and half. You yeah, have so to do it yourself. Have to. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, like, I could, I feel like we could tackle it ourselves and probably do an okay job. And save that five grand or whatever it would be on the total cost, um, but I I'd rather save the the three grand and do it under an expert like a real pro. It's like and peace of mind. That's your life that you're. Yeah, your mask comes it's down. Not just yeah. that. It's not just Like there's so much to learn from these guys. Like they know what they're doing. They have an amazing facility. They let you use all their tools, and they've got everything you need there. And we're also going to be like repainting the mast and doing a bunch of mast work and. It's yeah, it's going to cost a little bit more, but I feel like we're going to do the best possible job while still doing it ourselves. Essentially, also that would make a really cool YouTube episode. Yeah, and I think I mean up here, yeah, like someday we might sell the boat. If we're going to sell the boat, I'd like to sell it up here in the Pacific Northwest because our boat is it's called a Scepter and it's um it's pretty reputable boat in in this part of the world. Very sought after. There's people on the face. There's only sixty eight of them or something in on the Facebook group. 62. People are constantly joining the Facebook group, just looking to buy a scepter and like putting yeah, their name out there. One. And so, yeah, they're they're really um, sought after boat these days. They're also like geared but, towards Pacific Northwest. Yeah, they're built. Like he's pilot, Keanu's got a pilot house and like the diesel S bar, and like it it really is made for yeah. the weather up here. Yeah, it's an all weather, yeah. all season, proper blue water, strong, well performing boat. Like it's a really nice boat, but they they get the most value I think up here. If you try to sell it in Mexico or you try to sell it and people aren't going to know what it is and they're going to be like, yeah, how yeah. do you have a house on your You're not going to get nearly as much. And I don't remember why, <laughs> I don't remember why we got, yeah, why we got a roof like, on there. Yeah. What is that? Is <laughs> it a house or is it a boat? Yeah. 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 Oh, I, I love it. I think it's stunning. I, I think it's like the best of so many worlds put together yeah. and like the little, um, uh, what you call it like just the steering area inside. The pilot's well. yeah, yeah. That's the best. Yeah. Oh, it's so, it's, so cool. It's so, yeah. so good. It's really nice. In the, when you're cruising around, on like even in the summer out here, it can be really misty and foggy. But in the winter, for sure, when you're cruising around and you're just motoring because cold motors, <laughs> yeah, we call it cold motoring. Um, and you can just sit inside there and turn on the heater and you know turn on the music and you know feel cozy. Like it's it's such a game changer than having to hang out in the cockpit all the time. So yeah, we really love we love the boat, especially for up here in the Pacific Northwest. It's awesome. Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, the thing like. The, the, you can you can see all around you when you're in your um, when you're in your saloon area and it's like with with the equipment down there if you basically like sit, if you've got a radar and then you can just like set an alarm for your wind yeah. direction you can set your sails and just go and eat totally like, yeah downstairs yeah you put the fireplace go. on make yeah. some tea yeah, exactly. it is like it is yeah. i will admit it's not like that good of visibility if if you're sailing or motoring you still got to pop up every now and then um Crab traps mostly. Yeah, like you, you can logs. see, uh, but the same problem then. Yeah, yeah, yeah and we have logs too. Like logs are, uh, we'll have big tugs yeah. that will bring like bunches mm. of logs, and then one thing will snap, and all the logs will just go everywhere. Yeah, yeah. 
you got to yeah, dodge it's, it's not like perfect perfect visibility down there but it's better than most boats like most boats don't have that option at all yeah so yeah. it's pretty good we really like it but yeah like if you're cruising on the open ocean and you you know you come across a storm or you know a terrible squall or something like that that it, it's perfect like you don't yeah. need to be outside at all you can hunker really. hunker yeah. down yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah we're, so cool. we're doing all the electronics upgrades. And so there's going to be, there currently is an old radar there and there used to be the instrument gauges there. Um, that's all going to come out and we're going to have a, we're going to all Raymarine and eventually we're going to have like a 12 inch screen there that's connected oh, to nice. AS and radar and autopilot and everything. So you could, yeah, you could just sit there and literally control the boat other than the sheets from, from in there. There's also this yeah. cool thing that we've discovered that we, I don't know if we'll do yet, but you can put a camera like at the top of your mast and point it down and yeah. connect the camera to a screen at the inside of the pilot station yeah. so that you can see if there's crab pots and you can like steer based on this little image on your, on your yeah. dash. So there's, yeah. I think Raymarine do a couple of cameras, but I'm sure one of them comes with a, like an integrated alarm type of system yeah. as well where, cool. if, where if it picks up on objects it will actually notify you um, yeah it'll, it'll integrate the ais yeah. and the radar oh, yeah. it'll actually it'll show you on your screen it'll like populate if it's supposed to be a fishing boat it'll show like a fishing boat kind of thing even yeah. if it's not what the actual boat like looks a little like. doodle of a fishing boat <laughs> anyway that's cute it's incredible all we need is like little machines that will just like I don't know, hook <laughs> around the lines and we just don't yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just go, just go something <laughs> on the deck or something like that. Yeah, it's cool. There's uh, there's a channel called um I can't remember the every no bullshit just sailing. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah. it's a guy who's based out of Norway and he's mental in a good way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he will wait for terrible conditions and then he'll go out. Uh, yeah, I watched him. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Oh yeah, he's yeah. amazing. Like he's such yeah. a good sailor, really, really confident. Um, so yeah, he'll wait for like 50 knots and he'll be like, oh yeah, this is a really good time to go and test the rigging. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So like, it'll like go out. Um, but yeah, he just got like a full new Raymarine system and it's incredible. It's so, yeah. so good. So like you can, you can connect your AIS, your radar, your cameras, yeah. all your alarm systems for if your wind angle changes. Um, you can hook it all up to your iPad. So you can literally just go downstairs and your autopilot's connected up to the system as well. So you can yeah. just go downstairs and you can just steer the boat with your iPad. You can see yeah. all around you of the wow. camera. You're getting alerted if the wind changes. If the wind does change, you can just change your autopilot on your iPad. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Yeah, we're, we're pretty excited because we've we've been cruising now for the, this is, I guess, the third summer technically, and we haven't had depth sounder. We haven't, all we, we still had is, like our, is our phone. Like, because the electronics, <laughs> they worked when we bought the boat, but then they all died, except for the radar, like right away. Hmm. Um, and so mm. we've just been using Navionics <laughs> on our phones. And that's all I do. Yeah. But without the depth, it's like, it's kind of, yeah, kind of sketchy. Right? And, <laughs> yeah. but the, the I'm thing, like, <laughs> I feel like it's probably 20 feet. Yeah. Let's yeah. try. <laughs> so, so we hauled out in the spring and we put in a new transducer so that we could have a depth sounder and all that kind of stuff. And, mm. and then our Raymarine uh, order went on back order. So we only just received the MFD, like the screen, like just yeah. last week. And so finally we can get that installed and have, I'm most excited about depth. That's going to be huge. Depth is going to be. I don't even <laughs> but, know how to operate. But then also the to depth. like have the wind. We haven't had a wind, uh, wind transducer or wind instrument. Decator. We haven't had. We had boat speed, I guess, <laughs> on the uh, on the foam. But you know, just to actually be able to, like, I'm kind of glad we learned without that stuff. Yeah. Um, because you had you're forced to sort of pay attention more to the elements and feel it and look at it and see it instead <laughs> of reading little gauges. 
Mm. But I'm really looking forward to now like calibrating what we feel to actual data and, yeah. you know, see how we can improve our sailing, our trimming of the sheets, you know, all this kind of stuff. I'm also really looking forward to anchoring with a depth sounder and not being like, well, the chart says it's about 30 feet. And <laughs> so, you know, guess. <laughs> but yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be sweet. I can't wait to get that thing installed. Yeah, that's going to be really good. How, how is Navionics up where you are there? Is, is it pretty accurate? Yeah, it's really good. It's really yeah. good. Well, yeah. I mean, I did run around uh, <laughs> two weeks ago. There's so a couple different charts that you can. <laughs> there's a couple different charts you can look yeah. at, and one is more yeah. accurate than the other. But you kind of have to look at both. Mm. Uh, and one is like a documentation or an accumulation of um, what other sailors' charts have shown. So, like, if nobody yeah. goes in this one area, you don't really know what's there because they don't have that information. Yeah. You just kind of have to assume that it's a rock. This, this was operator error. This was entirely my fault. And I feel like I'd like to share this lesson because I smoked a rock at going like six knots. A we rock. had taken a, yeah, oh yeah, hammered cool. a rock. And I took a good couple chunks of lead out of the keel. We were like, I ran, Allie wasn't with me, so she doesn't it makes really know, but very impressive. <laughs> yeah, no, she does, but um, yeah, I dove on it last week and it's all good. Like it's, I don't see any serious damage to be concerned about, but so what happened? And I think I feel like an idiot for not knowing this, but I feel like there's other people out there that might want to hear this lesson. So on Navionics, you can choose between nautical chart and sonar chart. Yeah. And I like sonar chart, especially when we're fishing and stuff, because that data is based on all the other Navionics users. Mm -hmm. They compile all the sonar readings off those boats, all the depth sounder readings and the, the chirp, the sounder readings, and and they have this data and they create really detailed contours, contour maps of the depth yeah. and the bathymetry. And I never really thought about the fact that that's not complete data. It's always just seemed more accurate to me, and I always just liked it more, and because I felt like I could really find out you know, where there's a shelf for fishing or even in, even when navigating and going through like narrow channels and stuff, I just thought it was more accurate. But realistically, people that are going, avoiding rocks are never going to get a sounding of that rock because they're always avoiding it, right? Yeah, good point. So the, the, the data will interpolate and extrapolate and it'll fill in the gaps. And if it's 12 feet on one side of a rock and 12 feet on the other side of the rock, they're going to tell you in between it's 12 feet. Yeah. Um, so I was using that chart and on the nautical chart, it showed a rock. And so it was just, it was operator error. I shouldn't have been using the sounder chart, the sonar chart in a tight space. I should have been using the nautical chart, but well, I didn't how know. How big was this random rock? Like you've got 12 foot of water and then all of a sudden there's just a giant- Yeah, it's there. just, it's, it's just like, you know, it's like really close to where our boat is right now. It's a really narrow stretch. And I mean, the tides are really crazy around here. They go up and down quite a bit. It was a negative tide. So I think like most of the time mm, I probably yeah, could have gone over it. Been okay. Yeah, but yeah. I was just, the wrong time to be looking at the wrong chart and that's my own fault but <laughs> but yeah I definitely I smoked it pretty good and hard and that's one thing again I love about the boat is is they're pretty skookum boats they're really mm. really strongly built and we've met other owners that have printed ground too and they've shown us like chunks of the key I won't tell you who and... it is but our <laughs> friends who also own a soap scepter have a chunk of lead that they just keep in their boat to as like a memory of this time that they ran aground and like knocked a huge chunk out and they were like it just goes to show you how strong our boat is <laughs> and it's like this piece this yeah, big of a piece of, of lead, lead. Yeah. Have, you ever, have you ever run aground you know, we did actually like two weeks ago. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. But it was for like 30 seconds. Um, yeah. So we, we pulled into a marina and uh, it was like there was like 35 knots of wind. It was insane. So um, 
we, we went onto the waiting dock and the only way to get out was basically just like let the boat drift backwards and then turn around. Yeah. And uh, for some bizarre reason, um, when uh, they, they just hadn't dredged the marina in a very, very long time. So the water went from, it was about four meters deep to about a meter and a half. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, when we were bumping up and down, the um, the rudder skeg um, bumped on a big chunk of sand. Mm. And oh, uh, yeah, no. we were stuck there for about 30 seconds. But um, yeah, it was okay. I just said, oh, we'll just no turn damage. the bow uh, no, it was, it was fine. So I just said I was late to let the wind take the bow around and then we'll just swing and then we'll, the yeah. wind will just blow us off it anyway. So it did. Um, but uh, yeah, I was, quite, I was quite surprised. I've got a bilge keel, so my, my boat only draws like 1.2 metres, I think, something oh, wow. like that. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it surprises quite a lot of people because we pull into anchorages and like we go right, right up there. And it was like, how yeah, do you yeah. do that in a sailboat? It's like it's small keels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that would be nice awesome. for sure. Yeah, so you can like head into like catamaran territory. Um, yeah. Or you can just dry it out whenever you want, which you, you can't do in Spain because uh, I think our, uh, what have we got? I think we've got about 60 centimetres. Um, that's it. That's, that's, that's it, hey? yeah, that's, that's not very much. No, no, it's not at all. Uh, it's, yeah. it's just noticeable on like a key wall. Um, but yeah. yeah, like the UK, I think it's, um, well, when we were in Wales, I'm pretty sure like it average on about six metres, something like that. Yeah. So, um, it's talking about the time. Oh, yeah, goes <laughs> to the like water, moving different. up and down. So, how <laughs> is it up there? Is it, uh, is it it's like, like it's huge, yeah, feet it's or huge. something? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. it's, I think it's some of the largest <laughs> in the world. And we get, we as a result, we get quite a few like narrow channels where you just can't pass them unless you're at slack tide. Like, yeah. we have an episode from last summer where we were, I think we were like five minutes late from slack tide or something like that, or was it 20 minutes? Either way, we were pretty close to Slack Tide, and it was a like a sort of a last minute decision whether or not we should go through this little passageway because the the current gets so crazy because of the tide swings. And our boat ended up we we can do almost eight knots under power, nice. and our boat slowed down to a dead crawl. Like we were barely moving. You must have a really so good propeller current. for that. Yeah, well, it's a max prop. Um, okay. I don't know how big it is, but it, I would say it's about. 12 inches in diameter, maybe 10 inches in diameter. Yeah, that's really good for a 40 foot boat. Yeah, yeah, it goes it goes fast. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, the tide the tides are significant here. People say that if you if you learn how to sail in the Pacific Northwest or how to operate a boat, that you're well prepared because anywhere else you go, you're probably not going to encounter as great of currents yeah. and tides that we deal with here. Well, where where I kept my boat when um, when I was in Wales um, for. I think there was probably about eight hours a day where you could take the boat out and then bring it back in. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but the gates were shut for I think at least at least four hours on either side, um, where you basically you couldn't get in or out because there was just no water outside the marina. So they closed the gates and then the water, you know, basically just uh, goes out the estuary out, out into the ocean. And um, yeah, there's so many times like we went out, just got too drunk, and we were like, <laughs> okay, shit, we can't go back. Uh, so, you know, we're just like, yeah yeah we're just stuck way out because obviously when 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 the tide goes way out and you're in really shallow waters if you want to actually anchor you have to go way way out yeah um, yeah you know you have to you have to anchor like a kilometer offshore and we were in a small yeah. boat so um yeah it's just like you know like oh shit we're, we're gonna have to stay here for the night now so you just get more drunk and then yeah <laughs> you're, you're in like ridiculously deep water like way far yeah. offshore um so uh 
Yeah, it's a challenge with your dinghy too. Like you gotta, I was just you gotta oh, always yeah. be thinking about where your dinghy's gonna end up in like six hours. Whatever. And you have yeah. to like count, like, yeah. oh, we have one hour, but we want to be here for six. Yeah. Ben the other day had to go skinny dipping because he didn't want to get his clothes wet, but he had to take the dinghy so far out because the tide was going out, and we didn't want to have to drag the dinghy <laughs> back out. Yeah, um, yeah. So I took a video of him, but he's just like butt naked running down the beach with the dinghy I've trying got, to put I'm it a, out. I'm an Irish and Scottish descent, so I have a rather white bottom. It was crazy. I was, Compared to my summer tan. I'm anyway. blinded by how white that is. <laughs> yeah. Reflection. Yeah. Yeah. Ali posted it to Instagram. Nobody needs to see that, but it is. It's on Instagram it's on if anybody wants now, to see so. it. Got a blanked out white bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even think Instagram realizes what it is. They're like, that's way too white to be about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why are you wearing white shorts? <laughs> it's you know, it's like sailing in the Mediterranean. Um, a, a lot of people who like uh, learn how to sail here and they've never sailed in like an area where you've got actual tides. It's a huge part of sailing, or even just any type of boat, even if you're on a motorboat, it's a massive part of boating that mm -hmm. you just yeah. don't need to worry about here. And it yeah. is nice um yeah like when i was in the uk it was a pain like you get down to the boat and it's like oh brilliant you know the weather's going to be really good today let's go out and then you look and then the gates are shut and you're like oh there's no water so yeah. we can't really go anywhere um yeah but, it would be uh, nice. but what, you know what yeah. is nice about it it like sometimes it conspires against you and it makes your sailing really shitty mm. but sometimes when everything lines up like not only is the sea state and the wind and all that lining up really well but when you also have two or three knots of current pushing you somewhere like you can yeah, you can end up doing like, like 10 11 knots. knots and like just crash miles you know like it can really line up to be really satisfying also you can time yeah. it perfectly for fishing yeah more often than not it <laughs> yeah, does the opposite yeah. <laughs> and you're in a headwind with an opposing current and, mm. and then it gets all crazy but, but yeah sometimes it can be really pleasant if, if, it, if it just lines up right and it's going in the right direction while you're sailing yeah, like if you, if you just wanted to go out for like a few hours and you can time it, oh, let's go out yeah. when the tide's going out and let's come back in, you just fly. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. Straight in, yeah. You're so like, what, we're such what, good sailors. What have you guys got planned for when you um, go cruising full time for work? Because I know, Ali, you uh, you manage uh, manage an office at a resort and then Ben, yeah. you, you're into clean energy, you were saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we're not sure at this point. I think we're... Um, at a bit of a decision mode, you know, how long are we going to go for? Are we going to go for five years? Are we going to go for one year? Like, are we going to do it off and on? Um, I, honestly, I don't think we know yet. I think we know that we're working towards heading to Mexico uh, next year. And what happens after that is not determined, I would say. And, and whether, you know, I, I personally can probably keep working half the year from the boat and come back to British Columbia if I don't leave my job. Um, Allie would have to leave her job entirely. Yeah, we originally, on YouTube. we made these plans originally when I was a flight attendant, but that was okay. flight attending was a casualty of COVID. Um, so oh, yeah. the plans, yeah, so the plans were made around a job that I knew and I could navigate that, but now I'm in a new job that doesn't allow me the same freedom or time off. Um, so I guess I would have to fully quit, which I'm not opposed to, but then am I quitting for one year or am I quitting for five years? And it's... Mm. So I don't know. That's a that's a decision. <laughs> it's a new a new decision that has been brought to us recently. But yeah, I think we never made the decision to like buy a boat and go cruising for five years and see the world. That was never really been the. It was always sort of buy the boat, and for me anyway, it was like at least get to Mexico and see what happens. Um, and I think that over time, especially the YouTube channel, kind of got a bit of traction, and it was like, yeah, maybe we could do this. Maybe we could go for like 
three or four years and and have income from YouTube and I could keep working remotely and and that kind of thing. And I think I think it's just shifting. I think that we're not sure yet. And I think the goal really is to get to Mexico and see how that goes. And it might turn into a 10 year around the world travel. It might turn yeah. into um, let's let's sail to the South Pacific and back to BC and sell the boat, do something else. I don't know. We're we're not we're making sure it up as we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm hoping I would love if it turned into a like a five to 10 year journey around the world. If like, mm -hmm. if I'm being fully honest, I'm the one that's like kind of pining for that. I think Ali is not sure. And, and we're not, we're not really committed to either right now. We're just, you know, one, one step at a time, right. Get the boat to Mexico, enjoy, enjoy some summer or some hot weather cruising and surf off the boat. And then we'll see life changes, life heads in a lot of directions and, and yeah. you get, it's got to go with the flow and whatever, whatever makes sense for us is what yeah. we'll do. I think you can be flexible with it as well. Like me, yeah. me and my wife have discussed it. Our, our plan is probably in about three or four years, we'll take off full time. Um, we'll, we'll get a much bigger boat. Um, but uh, yeah, what we're, what we're discussing is uh, just cruise through like spring, summer, autumn, and then winter, just because it's cold and the weather's crappy. You don't really want to sail in the Mediterranean during winter anyway. Um, just go back home. Um, yeah. work, off, work off the boat. I, I work from anywhere <laughs> so yeah it doesn't really matter yeah. for me um yeah. so yeah i mean you could do the summers and the winters like ali with regards to like the aviation industry do you have the option there to like do six months on and six months off i did yeah um oh, i could take i really could do like four months on and take the rest off yeah. there was a yeah because it was such a a seasonal job uh they would lay people off anyways so i could volunteer to be one of the people that were laid off for the winter season yeah. um and then i could take as much time off as i wanted i just had to pretty much commit to july and august which was fine nice. so <laughs> yeah i also yeah, did really well Especially it worked really well going down south in the caribbean and stuff exactly and i i managed it um that i would basically so they give you you have to make your quota of hours but they don't really care how um so i would just do like two weeks on two weeks off and then if you do the first two weeks of one month and then you take the second two weeks of the sec uh off and then the next month you take the first two weeks off then you're kind of working like a month on a month off yeah, so there was a lot more room for me to um be flexible and go to the boat and then if ben was like our original plans were for me to leave ben in mexico go work for a month meet him back in mexico go sailing for a month and yeah. then park him somewhere by a wave and then go back to work me by my and then he could have just worked remotely from the boat the whole time so that was our original plan but again that's not how it works anymore because i'm not a flight attendant anymore but so i guess we have to kind of replan a bit but that's why i think we're trying to stay flexible and stay open because plans do change and things do happen so um we're planning to go to mexico and then yeah yeah i find like honestly i think about this in a lot of things in life like always having multiple options that you like kind of in the future not ever having just one yeah goal, just which, fix on one thing yeah, yeah and i mean having one focus goal is a really good way to achieve things and to be like this is what we're doing and have both partners in this situation like really focus on achieving that goal and putting all time energy and resources into doing that that is a good way to go um but i think it's also a good way to go to have multiple fires in the iron or iron in the fire and fires in the fires iron, in the iron. <laughs> and Hey, bro. <laughs> and just having, yeah, like having, mul having multiple fork in the road decisions in life, I think is a good thing. And yeah, um, 
yeah, I think that's kind of what's happening for us right now is it, it feels like we kind of have a fork in the road coming up probably after we sail to Mexico and we'll have to, we'll have to see what unfolds between now and then. I'd, I would love, I would love if we at least sail to the South Pacific. Um, I'd, like to the South I'd love to cross. Pacific. I really want to cross the ocean. So going to the South Pacific would be really cool. I want to see the South Pacific. Yeah. Also, there's great surfing there. Yeah. And we talked about, like, I think it would make a lot of sense to sail to Mexico, maybe do a couple seasons there. Like, I would really like to spend some time in Costa Rica. I used to live in Costa Rica. And nice. I'd like to do the summer in Costa Rica um, when the surf gets pretty good. Um, and then, yeah, getting to South Pacific would be really cool. And then coming up through Hawaii and back to BC, where we'd probably sell the boat at that time. And like I said That's earlier, nice. I think selling the boat in in BC or in northern like Pacific Northwest is where we'll get the most value for it. It's where it's most in demand. Yeah. So do that. And I mean, that would take, who knows how long that'll take. Um, and then we'll buy a catamaran. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't know. Well, we'll see. There's a lot of things that could happen, but I mean, we might. You know, <laughs> one step at a time. Well, actually, one thought I've had recently that I think would be really cool is so we like our, our YouTube channel, people watch it because they want to see British Columbia uh, yeah. is a big part of it. And British Columbia is a beautiful cruising ground and it's an awesome place to cruise in the summertime. And I think a lot of people think about the idea of, you know, work in your home country in the summers and then cruise in the winters. Yeah. And I was thinking maybe we could reverse that and, you know, live somewhere like in Costa Rica in the winters um, and just surf a lot and then cruise BC in the summers and just maintain the sort of the BC niche on our, on our YouTube channel. Cause there's uh, so much, BC you can so sail BC for your whole life. Like, there's so much to see and do, and we haven't even scratched the surface. And if we were just, you know, if we were just cruising around every summer in BC and then hanging out in Costa Rica in the winters, that would be an awesome option too. So yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a lot of ways it could go, to be honest. Don't really know. How, how many um, how many days at sea is it to um, get down there from where you want to? To Mexico? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's about a week and a half, a week to a week and a half to San Francisco from okay. um, like from where we are. Um, so we'll call it two weeks to the northern part of Mexico. And then the the Baja Peninsula isn't super cruiser friendly. Um, there's not a ton of protected anchorages. So a lot of people just sort of skip it. It's like that distance again, basically. Well, not quite that far, but called another week to get to Cabo, depending okay. on how many stops you take. So two, um, two weeks and you can basically be back wherever you want to be. Coming up is harder. Um, yeah, that's why the loop makes sense. Yeah. Right. Have you yeah. got typical winds like during the different seasons? Yeah. Yeah. So most it's, it's you're basically dealing with headwinds to come up back to Canada from Mexico. Okay. So most people would say it's smarter to maybe sell to Hawaii and then like over to Hawaii and then back to Canada back or, to or do the loop we were talking about like, like South Pacific and then up to Hawaii and over. Um, but I also think it's doable. I think the wisdom there is that you sail at night is when the wind pattern is actually more favorable. Oh, so wow. you do just okay. night night shift sailing, sleep during the day, and you do a lot of motor sailing so that you can point as much upwards yeah, as possible to the wind. Yeah. Um, so I mean, people do it for sure. It's just not as fun as like a you know a downwind sail or a beam reach or something like that. Yeah, it's just not like trade winds or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. But if it meant you know like getting that. the boat home to a place where I think I could sell it for you know thirty grand more or fifty grand more even than than in Mexico, then it might be worth doing. It might even be worth hiring a delivery captain to do it <laughs> if it's, no, if it's not shitty but... Yeah, that's true. Right. but yeah it's true yeah. what you said i remember um when, when i first watched one of your guys videos as soon as i saw the boat i was like oh my god it's such a nice boat and i was i just had like a quick google of it and um 
uh, your boat was still on a website for sale as well. I think that was yeah, like last, yeah. last year or something. I think it's still, it it's depends on, still floating around. There's, there's two websites. So it depends on which one you look at, but Okay. Yeah, the, the price that is still floating around the internet is definitely not the price we paid. <laughs> Good. <Okay. laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we we did better than that for sure. But right, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's still still out there if you search for it. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Some people like will message us on Instagram and be like, "Oh my God, you're selling your boat!" and they yeah. panic. <laughs> and we're like, "No, no." Yeah. No, <laughs> but it's good to know people are actually looking for the boat online and they're looking yeah. Yeah. what the prices are and stuff. There's still a lot of interest. Yeah, but yeah. When I googled it and checked it out, it was um, there was so many articles about it. You know, like newspaper things from like the nineteen, the late nineteen eighties and the nineteen nineties, and they were they were like, this is the best boat that's ever been made on this side of yeah, yeah. this side of the country. It's like they're pretty nice boat. Made in Seattle, was it? Uh, Vancouver, actually, yeah, Richmond, oh, maybe, right, which yeah, is like right, a suburb yeah. of Vancouver. I think yeah, some of them might have actually been built in a in an American shipyard, but I think most of them are built in Canadian shipyard. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of new. So the broker that sold us the boat, he's from Washington State, just south of the border. Yeah. And he's fairly familiar with the Scepter line and the demand for them, and how how many people want a similar boat. And part of the reason why there's such high demand is that nobody's really repeated the sort of like the Skookum Blue Water with modern lines and um, and pilot house, like raised deck pilot house. That's just something that's like really well suited towards the Pacific Northwest. Nobody's really done that again since. And so Scepter's always been the, the boat that people wanted because it's the one that has those options. Yeah. And, and so there's anymore. a new boat in production or planning to be in production fairly shortly um, out of Washington state, I believe. And the broker follows our channel a little bit and he, he recognizes that like we're the only channel that has a scepter uh, that I know of anyway. And he wants to uh, sort of like promote this new boat through our channel. And when they launch the first haul and do some sort of, we'll probably do like a boat tour and maybe go up for a day sale or something like that and, and show off this new boat. But I'm really, I'm really interested if anyone is listening and they're like kind of a scepter fan or looking for a scepter. Um, there might be something coming to market relatively soon that's trying to replicate what what Scepter did and what Scepter was, and that's really and interesting. That, yeah, so we'll see what comes of it. We I haven't seen any details of the boat yet. I'm supposed to be getting some rendering sent to me soon, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what comes of that. Yeah, you see if you can get like some type of a sweet sponsorship deal. No, no, that would be good. Yeah, if anybody's <laughs> listening, fifty <laughs> percent discount or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, that'd be nice. I, I don't know. If, uh, so my boat is a Moody. It's a British boat. There is they. Yeah, those are nice boats. Yeah, yeah, they're cool. It's mm. a similar type of thing to yours. No, yeah, not in shape, but in terms of build quality and sailability, yeah. that type of thing. Uh, but they do a new line called the DS, which yeah. is quite similar to uh, yeah, the Dex saloon. Yeah, yeah, super expensive, but yeah. um, they're incredible. It's like I, I've I've noticed them lately. Like they actually look a lot like our boat. I feel like yeah, yeah. the lines of where the the deck raises. Like, is that a scepter? I'm like, oh no, it's a it's a Moody. Yeah, those are nice. And they have the pilot station too inside. I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they they did one. They did a Moody. I don't know if it was called a Moody DS. I'm not sure, but they did one in the 1990s, which was basically. It's like the the first deck saloon they ever did, and all the ones now are based off that. But it really looks like your boat. Yeah. Um, yeah, it could more or less be the same boat, I suppose. If you're, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think they went up to forty-one. I think it was like a thirty-five or something like that. Yeah, or, um, yeah, that's yeah. Right. It's just a just a really good design. So, yeah. what made what made you choose that? Because it's not obviously if you go on Google and you're like, what boat to buy? It's like Beneteau, Geno, that type of stuff. And you, yeah. you basically search for a boat that they only made like sixty of in the world. Yeah, 
<laughs> it was Allie's fault. It was my fault. <laughs> ben wanted a Beneteau. Yeah. What's, what's your perspective on it, actually? Um, ben wanted like a Oceanus or something that was modern and hip. And he, I was like, I had never been on a boat before. So I was like, if I'm going to be on a boat, I want it to be a very safe boat. So I wanted a pirate ship. I Googled safest boats <laughs> and it was like Tiana. Yeah. It was like a Pacific sea craft to Tiana. Um, it's like super old, heavy like built. Things. Can yeah. you not pant in my face? Um, super, super heavy, yeah, <laughs> super heavy built boats. And um, Scepter was on the list for like top, five or top seven um but we ended up looking at like a tiana a pacific sea craft and super heavy boats and i was like i'm not going unless i know that it's like that i'm not gonna die essentially yeah um and then yeah and then we just kind of started boat shopping around and we were looking at 36 foot boats 34 36 because that would fit us um and then we found kiana but she was super out of our price range and 41 or 42 feet so we were like it's more boat that we need it's not really what we're looking for but oh it's a great boat and um we just kind of kept an eye on it and over the over the time like over a couple months her price was dropping and dropping and ben was like if this boat drops to this amount this number like we have to go look at it we don't have to buy it we just have to go look at it and uh after like maybe six months to a year of looking for boats, she dropped to that number. So we went and looked at her and we were just gonna look and we came home with the boat. <laughs> I made an offer nice. contingent to the sale of my house <laughs> and the the broker just laughed me out of the room. Basically. He like didn't even answer us. <laughs> that would be a first, wouldn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so that yeah. didn't happen, um, but we found another way. Yeah. 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 And for me, like the scepter, so yeah, Ali's right. I was sort of of the mindset of like, you know, maybe my budget, was I didn't really want to spend money on a blue water boat. I more so just wanted something we could kind of cruise. Like a coastal cruiser. Cruise locally with or whatever and maybe cross motion with it. Um, and just, you know, I like the more modern looking boats. And the Scepter though is some, when I took a sailing course like six years ago or seven years ago or something like that, um, just the day skipper course, my instructor, I was asking him, I was like, well, you know, what, what would you buy if you're me? I had a little Catalina 27 at the time. It was given cool. to me. It was a piece of shit. It ended up burning down. But um, yeah, I asked my instructor, like, what what would you get? What would you recommend? And he just, he mentioned Scepter. They're really good value for for the what you get from the boat and like really good performing. And that just stuck with me. And, you know, when we, when we started looking at boats together, Scepter was one of the first things I searched in Yacht World just to see, you know, what was on the market. Okay. And I was like, oh, these things are all yeah. way out of my price range. Like way, I think they were all listed for 150 US dollars plus at the time, anything that was on the market. Mm. There was only one or two. Um, and then, yeah, it came down in price and I was like, okay, well, this, this now fits the budget. It stretches mm -hmm. the budget, but it fits it. And yeah. and it's a great boat. And yeah. We, we also it. had lists of things that we wanted. Um, and one of the things for me is that I was super worried about was how dark it can be when because we were going to live on it um and like how much how little light can get in for like for example pacific sea crafts they're like built to keep you safe but they're not really built to let you have plants and yeah, <laughs> let you holes. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly and that exactly and in bc like our winters are like six months of no sun and just gloomy i mean you probably know it's similar but i was like that can get hard on a human so i was like i just wanted something that was yeah. 
a little bit brighter if possible. And with the, the pilot house and the saloon, like we walked in and it was just, there's windows all the way around. And I was like, oh, okay, I can, I can do this. This is. It's, it's hard not to walk boxes. into a scepter and, and sit on the pilot station chair and not be like, not oh, yeah. in love with it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it makes it feel like some sort of big captain or if something. You, it just feels so spacious <laughs> yeah. in the boat. Yeah, <laughs> it feels so spacious in the boat too. And it's yeah. bright that I was like, I could live on this. This is actually more like a condo on the inside than it is a boat. Yeah, so yeah. I was less afraid of it more yeah. than the whole thing. You know, we thought we got a really good deal, but looking back like with wisdom and experience and a lot more knowledge about systems on a boat and like what's considered basically obsolete or what's bound to break soon and what also broke right yeah, after like, we bought it i, I kind of thought we bought a boat that was like essentially ready to sail around the world other than standing rigging and running running rigging i've since learned that we've almost bought a refit like we've we've been slowly yeah. basically upgrading every single system. we bought a boat um, that was ready to go around the world in the 80s <laughs> <laughs> it went it went around the world and then it sat for quite a while and yeah I just like one by one, pretty much everything is breaking and needs to be replaced. And, and so, yeah, I, I definitely underestimated yeah. how much work and money we would have to put into the boat. And so the deal that we got, it balances it. Like, I think we paid a fair, we paid a fair price um, yeah. considering the work and the money that we're putting into it. And we're getting there. Like we've done electronics are purchased and going in. Um, we've done all, most of the running rigging. We've got the standing rigging lined up next year, yeah, new sales. Uh, new dinghy package the engine is the one thing like i'd really would really love to avoid repowering mm. but it is getting <laughs> it is getting up there uh it's almost seven thousand hours now oh wow. and okay yeah and i feel like it still runs fairly well um but i have i've had to do some issues some it's starting to need us to pour money into it yeah <laughs> it's getting to the point where like i right, do you want to spend another thousand bucks on this or two thousand bucks on that to keep this engine running or is it just time to bite the bullet and repower yeah um but you know it, like it's i don't mind doing like the little thousand dollar projects here and there right now because when it is running it runs really well and super reliable and it sort of seems like a shame to rip it out and put a yeah. brand new one in when it's running fairly well but just yeah also we're at the time where if you're going to rip out your engine and put it in a new one we're do you do electric or do you stick with diesel and i know that this is a can of worms kind of conversation yeah. that we can open up but um that is definitely something to consider and in bc the tides and the currents as we were talking about it's kind of hard to not have a diesel because you often yeah. need to push through a lot of current and well you couldn't sail on a schedule you couldn't have jobs and sail in the pacific northwest and like go out weekending like yeah. you just there's so the odds that you can actually sail where you want to sail on the timeline that you want to sail it on is so small that it just i really don't think it would work but i think in like mexico and places like that not working and just sailing and having so good i think it's totally too. doable to go all electric it's just kind of where it where do you want to cruise at? for the engine that you want i think and also the caribbean or the med you could get away with it you yeah know, if, i if think you're so dealing too with actual seas and oceans mm -hmm. i just don't think you could i mean especially depending on the time of year and where you are like i think batteries have still got a long way to come uh, like yeah. the lithium batteries now the great but until you until we can get to the point where you could get like five hours of sun and you can charge up a hundred amp battery yeah um i just i don't i just can't see it being practical because yeah. i think if you are sailing okay. on oceans or, or seas and you do get caught out um you know do, do you really want your engine to stop because the sun went yeah <laughs> you know? yeah exactly i mean you can I also like i know it kind of defeats the purpose but you can also 
you can just throw a portable generator on board. Like if you're yeah. really in a bind, you could just like, we've got a 2000 watt Yamaha portable generator. You could just fire that up and charge up in a few hours and in a way you go again. Like it's, I think it could work to be honest. I just wouldn't want to do it while working in the Pacific With a time Northwest. Crunch. I just don't think yeah. it, I don't like think we've spent so many weekends motoring home from wherever we were and like <laughs> had to work the next day. And like, mm -hmm. if we couldn't motor for 10 hours, we wouldn't be getting home. So yeah. It just I, think the, stress, I think but... the sweet middle ground would be if you were like if I was going to do that, and, I, and I've thought about it for the for the next boat, but I think we're going yeah. to get a catamaran, so it probably wouldn't, because then we'd have to have like two electric motors, and that's that's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you could do it, and you could have a really big, decent generator, yeah. um, like not not the Honda Silent one, but you know, like a proper yeah. a proper one that you could easy you know get like fifty hours out of or something like that with a decent um, diesel tank, I, I think that would be okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty interested in the idea of uh, hydrogen technology. And oh. I know that Yanmar and Toyota have partnered together right now. And like I work in clean energy, right? And this is mm. hydrogen is the big buzz right now. But I was, I was watching a video the other day and I think it was 90 kilograms or so of hydrogen has the same energy storage potential as like 14 tons of lithium batteries. Like it's, it's yeah. insane how much more energy storage is available in hydrogen. Um, and I honestly, I think that's going to be the way it goes. I think boats are going to go electric and I think that we're going to have hydrogen tanks on board mm. and it's going to be mostly, you're going to mostly fill it up in port like a diesel. Um, but there is going to be the ability as well to create your own hydrogen from the sun. So uh, to me, it seems like the, the future of boating. It's yeah. not here yet, but yeah, next boat, I would love to try something like that. Even though it was like DIY sort of like trailblazing the way that you know, the way that current electric boat owners have sort of trailblazed mm. their own way, the way that Uma, Sailing Uma did. I'd like to try a, a hydrogen electric combo. Yeah, I think it's going to be the way the world goes with boating. Yeah, and I think just in general as well, like when it comes to industry, like the UK is putting a hell of a lot of money into it. Um, mm -hmm. And even like carbon capture technology as well, that type mm -hmm. of stuff, just to like reduce or balance emissions, I suppose, as, as, as well as reduce them. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of strange. I think like if we would have focused on this like twenty years ago more, we'd probably be at that point now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for it to really work, like we've got to get to the point where like shipping containers can use that type of stuff, and it's built for vessels of that scale. Um, yeah. And it's getting there though. It, it's starting to happen. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah it's starting. Yeah. It's starting to get a lot better. Um, yeah, it's good. I like it. Like this, we've got like I mean. The, there's some billionaires that you know, I don't really like, and then there's some that I think are quite cool, and they're doing some really decent stuff for the world. Like uh, Elon Musk, I just think he's an absolute legend. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think his his mouth is a bit of a weapon at times. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like that about him though. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's really funny. He sends out the yeah. odd tweet here and there, and you're like, oh my god, like you're literally the most powerful human being on earth. <laughs> you this crazy crap. Um, but uh, who's the other one? Oh, Richard Branson, like last week, he did the first yeah. commercial flight into space, which right, is amazing. Yeah. Uh, but again, Richard Branson's the type of person, he's um, he's pioneered like uh, transport and, and tourism his entire life. Like he's, he's done stuff in air balloons, uh, space, he's done stuff on the water, trains, air, airplanes, you know, he's always been at it. Um, so yeah, it's cool that we've got like quite a few really wealthy people at the moment who are interested in this type of stuff mm -hmm. um so yeah we'll see it's one of those things i think when it comes to boat i think i think i, I think it's going to come from individuals like you know like sailing uma did with an electric yeah. uh, little motor i think they use like a um 
forklift engine. Yeah, forklift engine. That was it. Yeah. yeah, I remember watching that years yeah. ago. Yeah, it was a forklift engine, and yeah, he like figured out like a little way to you know rig up the software so it works, and um, yeah, it was great. Uh, I, I think the the next phase is going to come from people like that. I don't think it's mm-hmm. going to come from industry because if you think if you if we get to the point where like ocean going vessels are using some type of new technology like hydrogen or we've really cracked electric and solar, that's great. But when it gets to the to get it to the point where these companies are going to say, right now we want to cater to like the thirty foot sailboat market, mm-hmm. are so small. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so tiny for you know like a big industrial power. It's yeah, like, I agree. You know, so, I think there's going to be about a 10 year phase of like DIY guys doing it themselves. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think about 10 years from now, I think it's going to be pretty common to order a, a, a boat with an electric engine, a battery pack and a, a hydrogen system to supplement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I think until that point, yeah, like just relying on, you know, like, in, like intuitive, creative people to mm-hmm. start doing, I mean, like when Sailing Uma did the electric uh, engine thing, yeah. Nobody was really ever thinking about putting like a volt lift tension in a boat. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also powering off like lead acid batteries and stuff. But yeah, it's now got to the point where like, um, you know, big businesses have started investing a lot into it. And there's a couple that do like, you know, sail drives that have got really good like recharge capacity on them and stuff. Yeah, Ocean Volt, um, yeah. Yeah, Ocean Volt, yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's making its way there. So maybe you'll be the first one. Maybe you'll... Yeah, yeah. maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah there, there actually, there is a couple examples. Um, the Energy Observer, is it's a large it's a catamaran that's going around the world using all hydrogen and solar and batteries oh, um, and on Instagram. yeah yeah they're pretty neat but that's a really <laughs> big boat so they've got a huge deck surface so they can have a ton of solar yeah um which is not the same as you know recreational boating like us but there is another one i just found recently and he's he's in europe somewhere and he's just got a little let's say it's about a 34 foot racing sailboat that's hydrogen powered and yeah i think i think it's coming but uh, yeah, that might be, maybe that'll be our project Wait after, after we do what we're doing on our current boat, it might yeah. be a, it might be a project boat that involves putting in solar and electric. So yeah. we'll see. Starts a revolution. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hydrogen. Yeah. Cool. Well, listen, yeah. I, I know, I know you're on a schedule. You've got to go to work. So I'll, yeah, uh, we got to go to work. Your time. Uh, it's, it's been uh, very nice learning about your story and your plans. Yeah, you uh, yeah, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Yeah, thanks very yeah. much for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it.